Welcome to Zero Knowledge, a podcast where we explore the latest in blockchain technology and the decentralized web. The show is hosted by me, Anna. And me, Frederick. In this special episode, Anna heads down to Buenos Aires, Argentina to cover Earth Buenos Aires Hackathon and try to find the most exciting ideas to come out of the event. So this past week, I had a chance to head down to South America for the ETH Buenos Aires Hackathon. So this was my first time in Argentina, South America in general, and it was a pretty exciting journey. ETH Buenos Aires is part of the ETH Global series that had started with ETH Waterloo. Um, it ran May 25th to 27th, and this was taking place at a co-working space um, right in the heart of Palermo, a really cool neighborhood in Buenos Aires. The organizers were primarily made up of the Zeppelin team. So Zeppelin's a company based there, and they were actually generous enough to let us come by their offices and co-work there uh, in the lead up to the event as well. And around the event, there was also a bunch of really cool events. Decentraland had a barbecue, tons of awesome craft beer at the Strange Brewing Pub, and we got a chance to see all sorts of parts of the city through this event. The hackathon was about 300 people. Um, that's an estimate, but I think it's about 300 people. And I got a chance to interview some of these people. I spoke to a few of the sponsors, a few of the hackers, and some of the organizers. And this episode is going to be a compilation of some of these interviews. So we had a chance to talk about Buenos Aires, this event, and also some of the amazing hackathon projects that people were putting together. Um, yeah, I hope you like it. We spoke to about eight people for this episode, so they're pretty short interviews, um, but we will actually share all of their contact info in the notes, and um, you can definitely get in touch with them if you want to find out more about their projects. So here you go. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Um, yeah, so my name is Liam Horn. I've been working on a lot of things related to hackathons over the past several years. Um, I'm actually one of the co-founders of something called Hack the North, which was the largest hackathon in Canada and still is. Um, you know, got all kinds of people from the tech industry like Sam Altman and Chamath Palihapitiya and even got Justin Trudeau last, last year to show up. Um, the goal of the event, uh, Hack the North, and what's and led into what we're doing now is, is it was to essentially get as many great developers as possible into the kind of the tech ecosystem and genuinely building really useful applications. Uh, I'm also one of the co-founders of L4. So we, we do a lot of research on things like plasma state channels. Um, we run a fund and the other thing we do is ETH Global, which uh, is what I'm uh, spending a lot of time on now as well with my other co-founders. This is the third in the series. First was Waterloo, second was ETH Denver. Why did you choose this city? Yeah, so ETH Global primarily started out of something called ETH Waterloo, which was basically, Waterloo is where I held Hack the North um, with my uh, other co-founder, Kartik Talwar, and a bunch of other friends. And I've just seen the event work really, really well there for Hack the North, and so we thought, hey, we can pull it off. Um, we care about Ethereum, we know how to do hackathons, it should be a cinch. Um, it wasn't a cinch, but it was still a lot of 
fun, and we got pretty much every major person in the Ethereum industry to come out. Uh, CryptoKitties came out of the hackathon, like a bunch of other relationships. Companies built like Set Protocol. There was a Plasma implementation. Just an insane amount of technical output for 36 hours. So we thought this is great. Um, what if we like scaled that? Um, and so we basically we did the next one in Denver, which. Uh, had a great developer community. We got in touch with a, a guy named John Pollar and a lot of his friends there. And we said, hey, these guys are really great. What if we just like, help them build their event? And uh, it was actually a really nice experience. We just learned a lot. Um, we gave them a playbook that we had written. We gave them best access to a lot of our kind of network and people that we knew that could help make their event a success. Um, and it went really well. So we thought, hey, let's, let's go global with this thing. And so where is like, the next place that we should go? So we thought, um, okay, well, there's a lot of interesting cities around the world, and we've had input from a lot of people. Um, but one that really stood out for the third in this series was, was Buenos Aires because primarily, like, they had the perfect mix of a phenomenal organizing team with, with Martin and a lot of the, the people that have been organizing this event so far. Uh, and you know, a clear developer community that's been building up. And we've seen this from, you know, the people that have been joining Open Zeppelin and Zeppelin Solutions. Um, a, come, a couple other that have been working out of their house. And it's just clear to me this is a city that cares about the technology. It has, you know, phenomenal technology um, enthusiasts in, involved in it. And there's obviously interesting political reasons for why this country um, would care about this technology. And so it's, for us, it's like a very clear next step. Um, so, yeah, we've been, we've been excited to be in Buenos Aires. This is my first time here, and um, I'm loving it so far. What do you think of the event so far? How do you like it? Yeah, so I tend to be really critical of hackathons, probably overly critical. Um, most hackathons really don't impress me, but this one has been actually genuinely phenomenal. From every single thing I've seen Martin and his team put together, uh, the attention to detail is insane. Um, like even like in where we're sitting, like this is a this is like a not even that much of a common area of the hackathon, but you know, every single thing is laid out for us. Like the, there's, it's beautiful environment. Uh, it's a place for us to be doing interviews like this. It's a place for teams to work in, you know, a bit more of a quiet area. In the main area, there's clear, there's a clear and intense energy towards building things. There's lots of mentors all the time that are around to help. And they've just got all the basic things that you want to see out of a hackathon kind of down. And, you know, one thing that I tend to do is I personally go and meet with every single team at the event. And I've seen that these people are working on genuine real hacks. Like, they're making real progress. They've had help from mentors at the event. They've been speaking to the sponsors. They've been speaking to the, the judges and the other mentors, and they've genuinely been making real progress, which is the reason why we're all here in the first place. So to me, um, this is this is definitely one of the best hackathons I've been to. It's, it's phenomenal in the execution I've seen so far. Is there any other projects that you've seen that are kind of like standing out to you? So there's a couple of things I've seen. One that's um, one not necessarily one particular project, but one theme that I've noticed. I've seen some people building um, a lot of off-chain specific applications, or and what I mean by that is they take advantage of things that you can do when you have, you know, client-side software that knows how to interpret the application, you know, state-channel software, and other stuff. Uh, it's been really useful for me to learn what what the use cases are. I want to say thank you so much for this interview. I'm so excited about this event. No, awesome. Yeah, no, thanks so much for, for having me here. Do you want to just briefly introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Esteban. I'm founder at, and CTO at Decentraland. And I'm here to judge on the different projects in East Buenos Aires. What do you think so far of this event? It's awesome to have all of the different friends that I've met over the internet or different conferences around the world here at home in Buenos Aires. There are even a lot of people that I've never met in person that have come here and it's lovely to have them and welcome them in my city. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about Buenos Aires and the scene here? Like, what's it like working here? So, Buenos Aires has a lot of history in terms of monetary policy. So, I guess that's what attracted us to the crypto space from an early, early time in the cryptocurrency space. So, we started, for example, a hacker house which was named Voltaire a couple of years ago. And a lot of projects have spawned from that original project in Voltaire. Uh, the guys from Zeppelin, our own project Decentraland, and there are other stealthy startups that are coming out of there, like a Lightning Network wallet. Uh, so the space is pretty intense in the sense that there are a lot of projects, and that's only one of the hacking spaces from where this started. Uh, there's also Espacio Bitcoin, which is kind of like a Bitcoin embassy that spawned uh, Rootstock. It has spawned uh, also Repio and, well, other projects that didn't come from those spaces that are also receiving a lot of attention lately, like Wipson, which is a project for data privacy. So it's amazing to see that we don't have to be in some particular place like next to your VC or something for our startups to grow up, grow and, and do meaningful work. Tell me a little bit about the teams that you've been speaking to at this event. So you, like what's, what's your role at this event? So uh, I'm a judge, but I got together with a couple of other judges and we're, we're also going to hack a little th something. And I've been seeing some really cool projects. Uh, there are some games out there that are coming upon, like about fighting between NFTs. There are some ideas to improve on Aragon's uh, DAO governance tool to make it more palatable for the use cases, in particular for donations for institutions. Um, there are also some more technical ideas, like a, a bookmarklet that implements the whole of Web3 so you don't need an extension to work with stuff. That's that's a really cool project. And some infrastructure related ones like a TypeScript implementation for Web3 or uh, how to handle better events. What's different between the original hackathon idea, these original hackathons and the ETH hackathons? So I'm very impressed by the quality of the teams in this hackathon. I think that uh, the, it's striking the right balance between experts in the subject and people that are good developers but are new to the field. So I'm really excited about that. I wish that we started to do this in a more open way. The community of ETH Global is starting to gather a lot of momentum and I would love for the next hackathons to also be more connected in the sense that we could have the a virtual hackathon that happens online with different prices or something like that so that they can connect better with the local scene and bridging the online and offline worlds. I actually wonder if we shouldn't look to something like the Global Game Jam model yeah, exactly. That's where I took the idea from. 
So you are thinking of having a team. You, you may have a team here. You might be hacking. What are you going to hack? <laughs> so my project is one of the nerdy ones, uh, and we are tackling the problem of how difficult it is to deploy a contract and ensure that the desired state is the state that is actually sitting on the blockchain. So it's going to help us with... Um, making sure that the transactions that we created have been, uh, have, have been confirmed and the, that the NFTs or balances that you need to have are what you want them to be. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Paul Fletcher-Hill, and this is Merit Chelaby. Hello. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess we work at a development studio in San Francisco called Hill Street Labs that we started about six months ago. Um, and yeah, mostly do Ethereum projects. Let's talk a little bit about the project that you're working on for this hackathon. Can you tell me what you're gonna be doing? Yeah, so we are building um, something called Kimono. Um, and what Kimono is, is a way of sharing secret data on a blockchain, specifically Ethereum, that will be eventually revealed um, to the public. And so a naive or like simple way of doing this would be I just write an encrypted message to blockchain, and then at a later point in time, I go back and publish the secret that is able to reveal what I posted originally. Um, but this requires like the user to go and, and you know do work themselves later on. So what we're working on is a way to take that secret and split it up into many fragments and share it across a network of um, people or like nodes who compete to post their fragments back to the blockchain as soon as the time lock is up or you know, as, as the user says, I want this revealed in like five years. And they compete to post it back um, as quickly as possible um, and the blockchain is able to reconstruct the secret and reveal what was originally posted without the, the user having to do anything else. Yeah, and the, the way that works is like we use this really cool scheme called Shamir Secret Sharing uh, that basically lets the user define, okay, I have the secret, I want the secret to be split into fragments, and I want K people to come together to reconstruct the secret, uh, and uses this really cool feature of polynomial functions, where you can basically define a line with two points, or you can define a parabola with like three points, or a cubic function with um, four points, or three points. Uh, so the cool thing is, um, the user can say, I want this K people to come together and reconstruct it. So they, the user creates this random polynomial with the secret as a constant uh, and splits it among many, many people. Uh, and then when the time comes, those K people can come together to find the secret constant because of the function of polynomial curves. Uh, obviously, this kind of a problem with the blockchain because everything is public. So because of the way we structure our revealer network, uh, at the time of the creation of the message, we know the public keys of the revealers. So when the user is creating this message and the fragments, the, each fragment is encrypted with the public key of the revealer. So the, only the revealer themselves uh, can decrypt it with their private key and post it when the time comes. Do all of these revealers need to reveal at the same time? Or like, how does that work in? No, so 
the cool thing is that um, with Shamir's secret sharing, you split the secret up into more people, into more fragments than you actually need to reconstruct it. And so what we can do is we can make a game where these people um, are racing to post back their fragments um, because only um, only a, a portion of them actually need to like post their secrets or their fragments back for the secret to be reconstructed. Um, and so that's where some of the game theory comes in, um, where the original user posts a reward. And they say, hey, we're going to pay this many tokens for you know, the first people to post this secret back. Um, and yeah, so they, do, they don't have to post it at the same time. They can just post it you know, as, as fast as possible. Um, yeah. But the, the, the cool thing here is that like, you might be wondering, like, why is this actually useful at all? Um, so uh, the, the, the use case for this, or sort of for time-locking data, um, there's, there's a couple that we've been thinking of. Like, one is um, I might have a prediction about the future, and I might know what the future is. And everyone knows that I know what the future is. And I can publish a secret message to Ethereum, and then I can tell people that here is this message, it's you know, published, um, but it's secret. Pay me, and I will have you know, the secret reveals you. Um, so that's one example where you can create markets on top of secret data that is technically already on the blockchain, but is not revealed yet. Um, the other one is uh, in sort of whistleblowing, where you know, I might have information that is you know, really sensitive. And I want to put it on a blockchain, but I don't want to, you know, be responsible for revealing it yet. And so maybe I, you know, say, "Hey, here is this message. Reveal it in a few years or something." Um, and this network will do that without the user having to do anything else, which is pretty cool. Wow! How did you come up with this idea? Where is this coming from? Work you're actually doing? Uh, yeah. So we, uh, separate from this hackathon, we've actually been working on a project. Um, that's not announced yet, but uh, we hope to, if this goes well, we hope to announce it very soon. Um, but it's, it's, it's about making markets um, around sort of time-locked data. And so one of the, this, is, the, this problem is very like core to what we've been working on because we haven't been able to figure out a way of doing this automatically. And the, the user experience is, is not great when you ask a user to like write data to a blockchain and then, hey, when your time lock is up, go and do more work to like reveal it. Um, and so we're sort of solving our own problem here. Um, but we think there are also a lot of interesting use cases um, for other developers. Um, one like one other interesting use case, which I don't know, maybe intriguing is in games um, where you have, let's say you have two um, two adversaries who are playing a game. And um, they want to play rock, paper, scissors on a blockchain. So that's really hard um, because whoever goes first loses because you reveal what, um, what your play is, like rock, paper, scissors. And so you can use something like Kimono to make um, anonymous or, or, or sort of secret uh, plays. and say that they will be revealed at a later time. And so you can, you know, with confidence, post your rock, paper, scissor and know that it's not going to be revealed until the other person posts theirs as well. I have to ask, since this is a zero-knowledge podcast, is this in any way related to zero-knowledge proofs? 
Unfortunately not. No. <laughs> Bummer. <laughs> Wish we could say true. Nope. It's not the case, unfortunately. But yeah. Just game theory. Just game theory and some polynomial magic. Well, that's okay. Um, I want to say thanks so much for this quick interview. Um, I don't want to keep you guys too long from your project. So yeah, we'll be seeing you around. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? So my name is Andy Tadop, and I'm the developer advocate for Status.im. What is Status.im? Status is an instant messaging application that allows you to speak with both contacts and contracts directly. We build a light node that runs on your phone. So the whole idea is to try and make sure that we can bring the power of decentralization and Web3 to everyone's pockets. The idea... Uh, extends to making sure that we can actually implement all of the rhetoric around financial inclusion, breaking down the barriers to access, uh, all of the stuff that we talk about, it doesn't really translate into reality unless we can get access to these networks into tools that people use on a daily basis. That means resource-restricted devices like phones and tablets, especially in the developing world. It's really, really important that we don't have these hardcore hardware requirements to you know actively participate in the network and so that is status's goal to take ethereum to the mainstream by actually making it work on your phone what are the projects that you've seen here at the hackathon that are kind of exciting i think that there's two that stand out for me so far um i'm really interested there's a team from a company called thegraph.com who are doing some really really interesting data analysis on some of the aragon packages and the cli and the various things that they have built and deployed on mainnet uh, fetching data from ethereum is pretty hard to do and it's pretty hard to uh, sort of deal just with the absolute fire hose of, of data that's coming through the network. And uh, they're working on some really, really interesting solutions in GraphQL, uh, which is a pretty neat way of uh, like handling that kind of unstructured data. So I'm interested to see what they will do. And we're working with them at Status as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's a nice sort of dovetail for us. And uh, the ZeroX team is building a TCR of TCRs, which is a token curated registry, right? It's getting super meta. It's getting so weird. Each each new event, it just gets weirder and weirder. And, uh, you know, I think that's this notion uh, of making lists, which is really what a token curated registry is, extends back perhaps even, you know, to the very, very beginning of written history, right? The first the first written artifact that we have is a list. And this is what we've been doing as humans for as long as written history extends. And in fact, this wonderful book by Umberto Eco, who's one of my favorite writers, and he talks about the fact that we make lists to avoid death, in a sense. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, the rabbit hole goes very, very deep. And to see new kinds of lists being implemented with different kinds of interesting technologies, you know, the impact that this will have for the linguistic protocols that we use to organize society, it's just, it's really exciting. I like your commentary here on history. That's like one of my big favorite things. And I do, the, the old lists were always like ledgers, actually. They were like balances, usually. The original written form was like four cows, three pieces of, I don't know, gold. It was like often those kinds of ledgers of sorts to keep track. And now here we are, the distributed ledger, and now a way, and now it's a way to identify what's actually important yeah. in these giant lists. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? 
Yes, uh, my name is Mariano Conti. I'm a developer at Maker. I'm currently the head of Oracles, so price feeds. And I've been with the team for almost two years now. What is What are you doing here at this event? What's your role here? Uh, we're sponsoring ETH Buenos Aires. Um, very happy to be here because I'm from Buenos Aires. And our main goal here is to help um, projects that are using DAI. What do you think? What do you think the biggest problem is right now in the blockchain space? Uh, well, depends on who you're talking to. Like, if you're already in the space, I think user experience is uh, the main thing, making stuff easy to use. But on a more broader scale, probably regulation. Um, because lately there's been a lot of talk. Uh, different countries have different laws. It's still kind of a Wild West situation, at least in Argentina it is, and most places in the world. So I think that's going to be the next big uh, barrier. You are sponsoring, so you're going to be working with a lot of teams using maker technologies. What Have you like found any really cool projects that you want to share? Yes. Um, Last night, I was talking to some guys from Relender, and they're doing a platform uh, for using DAI, which is our stablecoin. Um, they plan to allow uh, borrowing and uh, lending of DAI uh, for people who they want to invest, but they do not want the volatility of other cryptos, but still they want to make a little bit of money into that. So. I think that's a really cool one. Also, we know of people that are doing a decentralized exchange and people working on their own oracles, which is very interesting for me because I'm always looking at um, how we can better that, uh, that part of the blockchain issue. Is there a way, so given the name of the podcast, Zero Knowledge, is there a way to actually incorporate Zero Knowledge proofs into what Maker does? Uh, yes. And this is when I go into my favorite thing, which is oracles. So we need, in the Dicred system, we need the price of different assets almost real time. We need to know how much ETH is worth, how much MKR is worth, how much almost any token that we're going to use as a collateral is worth. And zero-knowledge proofs can help us do a lot of computation off-chain, and then do validation without the validators knowing every single piece of data that um, the oracles had. Uh, and we can use that to verify that the price feeds are actually correct. So that's something that's coming probably in the next version of uh, DAI. Very cool. I think that was one of the better answers that we've had to that question. Some people are like, nope, <laughs> there's no application of zero knowledge proofs. And I'm like, OK. Um, cool. Uh, I would say, do you have any sort of last thoughts about this event, about this week, about the space? Uh, we're only halfway there, right? Uh, so I'm really hoping to see what projects comes out tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to learning about other projects because uh, I already know about mine. And <laughs> uh, what I really wanted to see is uh, other stuff coming, not just out of Buenos Aires, but in general. I want to say thank you so much for this interview. Oh, thank you for having me. So do you guys want to tell me who you are? So my name is Emily Williams, and I am a blockchain developer from Boston. 
Um, right now I'm working with a company called Level K and we do Ethereum consulting. Um, and one of the projects we're really excited about is we're working with Gnosis um, to help them develop some Futarchy models for token curated registries. And we're also um, excited to work with the Central Land on a token curated registry for them. But ultimately our broad vision is decentralized insurance, but for now we need to get a lot of the um, economic, token economics and all the mechanisms in place before we can do that. So that's our far out vision. So for now we're focusing on Oracle marketplaces and our consulting. Uh, hey everybody, I'm Kyle Bryant. I'm also from Boston. Uh, by day, I'm a Java developer uh, at a place called Hitachi Vantara. And by night, I am an Ethereum developer. Uh, I've just recently started getting into the development community, but I've been with, uh, uh, I've been following the Ethereum community since 2015 and uh, pretty much all of the developments uh, since then. Um, so I really just started getting into Solidity development um, Two months ago, I actually signed up for Eth Buenos Aires right as I started learning, and I got, uh, um, I miraculously got accepted. So I spent, you know, pretty much every night after work uh, learning a little bit um, about it more and more. And uh, I met some of these great other developers in Boston. So now we're uh, working on a hackathon project together. So it's really exciting stuff. Can you tell me a little bit about this project? What are you guys doing? Yeah, so we are making crypto against humanity. <laughs> and basically, we are making a version of Cards Against Humanity on the blockchain. Um, and we are using a token curated registry for the black cards. And we are going to then um, use token bonded curves for the white cards. So basically, you can buy into different white cards. And the funnier they are or the cooler they are, the more people are going to want to buy in. And the way a token bonding curve is, the more people that buy in, um, the more tokens get minted and the more expensive they become, the more people buy. And so it's going to be a really cool way to see all the different cards trending and we will um, have maybe a 12-hour increment of like a black card that is being played and everyone starts investing in, oh, which white card is going to be the best match for this black card. And so you can see in real time all how people are trading and how the different white cards are, you know, trending in popularity. Um, yeah. And, you know, it will incentivize people to write white cards and then, you know, pre-mint some tokens for them. And if they end up writing a really awesome card, um, they can actually make some money off off of it by other people also buying into it. Very cool. This is a game. It's like a totally fun way to start interacting with token curated registries. And what was the other one you said? Bonding curves. And the reason we want to make a game is because, you know, we haven't really tested these things out and everyone's building with TCRs and token bonded curves, but there's no live versions that are really being active that we can study. So I think it's really important to get people engaged. And I think Cards Against Humanity is a cool way to get people engaged so we can finally see how these things work in real life. Very cool. Can you tell me something about the build? What's what are you working on now? Right now we're working on the uh, uh, the front end. Emily and I are working on the front end for, uh, using React of the application. So making uh, white and black cards display and being able to buy and uh, buy and sell them. And uh, luckily, uh, on the back end, uh, Emily already had some code for token curated registries uh, for the black card market. Uh, and right now, we have another teammate uh, who's working on getting the um, 
the bond the bonding curves for the uh, for the white cards. So um, yeah, that's where we're at. What do you think of this event so far? I think it, this event is awesome. I am really impressed with how well organized it is. There's always food. There's always hot coffee. The garden is beautiful. The Wi-Fi is working great. Um, I, I'm really impressed. What do you think the difference is? This is I, I'm really curious about this. I used to do a lot of hackathons. What What's the difference between a hackathon like this and the old kind of traditional hackathons that we used to do? Um, well, the big difference with this hackathon than other hackathons I have been in is I am in the same room as people's like work that, you know, we worship. I guess worship is like a bad <laughs> word, but you know, like, I, you know, we've been watching like Simon DLR is here and we're using um, token bonding curves. And, you know, I know that we've been looking at his writing for years and to be able to talk to him, we, he came and he talked to us about our project and helped us steer in a better direction. And like the idea ideas he kind of like came up with and was able to steer us we were just like whoa that's you know he, he had some really great ideas and really transformed our and our our product into something a lot more simple and also a lot uh really cool as well so we we're really happy to be able to collaborate with simon whose work we're using yeah <laughs> maybe i'll try to interview him too actually that's that's a good idea um do you think what do you think of the competition do you know about the other teams what they're working on uh, well, um, some other people from my company are working on another project, and they, I know they're working on this Oracle chain thing, so, you know, you start out with centralized Oracles, which are cheap, um, and then, um, and then if the centralized Oracle gives something wrong, you can dispute it, and you, you know, it gives you time to eventually get to a more and more decentralized, um, solution if you need it, and they're already finding people that actually need the product they're making, so, I don't know, Steve competition, but... <laughs> uh, I heard about a few Aragon apps that are being created, like, uh, one where the, currently the, uh, they have a voting app on the, the Aragon platform, and, um, someone's creating an app that's creating like a review period that you have to wait and where people have to talk about the vote before it actually happens. So someone's working on an app for that. So that sounds pretty cool. This sounds good. I'm very excited to see all of these results tomorrow. I think we're out of time, but I want to say thank you so much for this quick interview and good luck. Thank, thank you. you very much. Woo, zero knowledge proof. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Luis Quente. I'm the CEO of Aragon One, which is the first company working on the Aragon project. Um, what is your role here at ETH Buenos Aires? So basically, we just released our developer tools like a week ago. So uh, it's been a huge push to get it done and just like have people building on it. And it's very exciting because, I mean, people can reuse so much of the stuff that we have done, like Token Manager, the Finance app. They can use like create a DAO and just fill in the gaps, but reuse all the components. So I'm just trying to like get people excited about it and for them not to reinvent the wheel. What do you think about this event so far? I think ETH Buenos Aires has been amazing so far. Uh, I really like the vibe. I think it's a, it's a small event, like you, you really can know the people and can know all the teams and see what they are working on. Uh, and also like it's in Argentina, which is a country that very desperately needs this, te need this technology to happen. So I think that's very, that's very powerful. Is this your first time here? Yeah, first time in Argentina. What do you think about the scene in the city here? I think it's pretty amazing. Like, um, I think uh, all the like, stuff that happened with the government and the currency made people so aware about Bitcoin. Like I went here to exchange some Euro for, for like the local currency. And there was like a Bitcoin sign in the in the place that you can buy and sell Bitcoin there for like cash. It's amazing. 
this is the right place for this hackathon, I think. I think so. I think so. Sometimes we get into like, you know, these very first world places and sometimes we forget that, you know, things like this and places like this exist uh, where there's a lot of like talent and they are just looking for direct technology to free them. So let's talk a little bit about um, maybe the projects that you've seen here. Uh, you're kind of helping, you're speaking to a lot of groups right now. What has stood out to you so far? Something so cool that our team is working on is like uh, physical access for DAOs, like a DAO that controls who can like enter a building or stuff like that. And then you can have like any arbitrary guard mechanism for making that happen, like voting to allow someone to enter a building. Uh, the use cases are kind of endless for that. Then there is uh, a group that is working on like discussion tools, basically like uh, you know like decentralized commands and discussions for uh, like when you go through voting to like make sure people have like a month to inform themselves before actually going into the voting. I think that's like this course is super important for like governance uh, in general. And also like there's a team that is working on a splitwise on on Aragon as an Aragon app, uh, and that's also like super like easy straightforward use case that could like have some mainstream adoption. Are there any really, really creative uses of Aragon technologies here? Maybe even like weird uses? I think one that I really like is uh, there are these people that are building a decentralized Infura and uh, they want the governance to be powered by Aragon. And it's like, I mean, it's not like, like a super weird use case, but it's just something that I wouldn't really think about when thinking about Aragon in the first place. That sounds really cool. I think I've actually heard from somebody else about that project. So I'm gonna try to get them on here as well. Do you have any, do you have any last thoughts on this? It could be about this event, it could be about the city, it could be about just the space in general. I think the space is reaching a point in which we can like go out and show these to people, and that's super exciting. And also like for me, development tools are finally starting to catch up and you can like build apps uh, without having to struggle like for a weekend of just like broken tooling. And I think that's gonna be amazing for like the next year and we're gonna see so much stuff being built. Well, thanks so much for this interview. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. So maybe we'll start off with a little introduction. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, hello, my name is Aiden Hyman. I'm the CEO of Chainsafe Systems. We're a dev shop based in Toronto, um, and we work primarily within the Ethereum space um, in building out applications and protocol level projects for different blockchain companies, um, usually based in Toronto, but uh, more and more we're trying to kind of be more a part of the decentralized ecosystem and not be as focused um, on Toronto or Canada. What do you think so far of this event? Honestly, uh, I've, I've been to all three of the ETH Global hackathons. This is my third. Um, and to be honest, to be in a place where people don't need to be convinced over the merits of crypt cryptocurrencies in general or blockchain technology even as a stack is really inspiring uh, to be approached by people who are from here and to hear them talk about daily struggles that people are going through. I mean, for us in Toronto, we just don't deal with those things. We're very privileged to live in a pretty stable economic system. So to really be exposed to places that really would benefit yesterday from implementing these types of technologies is extremely inspiring and just yeah makes us want to travel more and more. So you came here and you actually have you're you've kicked off a project that's been talked about a couple times even in these interviews. What are you building this weekend? Well, firstly, it's really exciting to hear that people are interested in our project. Um, we're working on Dnode, 
which is a mechanism that incentivizes full nodes to participate in a decentralized ecosystem as opposed to a more centralized API service that we're used to in the developer community. When you say that, um, what's comparable today? So the big comparison is Infura. Um, so that would be an API service that basically allows you to interact with uh, an Ethereum node. Um, and what we're basically trying to do is say, hey, since day one, there's always been an issue in getting people to uh, run full nodes for any reason other than mining, um, which is kind of a problem in trying to propagate transactions to the network and trying to create a decentralized source of truth, which is the ultimate goal of Ethereum. And so what we're really trying to do is begin to create a mechanism that will incentivize people to run those full nodes. Because honestly, I do want to pay for an ultimate source of truth that I can use in my day-to-day -day development. Um, and I want to make sure that the person I'm paying is the person who is actually providing me with that service and not a centralized corporation. This is really cool. A few weeks ago, we did a podcast on um, how to set up a full node. And we actually had that conversation of like, what's the point of the nodes that aren't mining? And here, like, it's to have a representation of the chain and it be truth. But what is, and this is what you're basically saying is like, it's cool, but it's almost like altruism. It's just like, yay. Or, or it's like, I want to see my transactions myself and I want to make sure they're true. But otherwise, there's no real incentive. And that's what you're proposing here is an incentive layer to like just encourage more people to actually run full nodes. 100%. Um, and I think that that's something that until recently with the release of Aragon to the mainnet um, and the reimagining of what a DAO can look like in today's world, we weren't really ready to implement things like a decentralized node service. Um, but we're finally at a position right now, I think, where the technology is mature enough to be able to accomplish these things that otherwise did require centralization. And it's not to say that, you know, this isn't to negatively talk about things like Infura, but up until now, there really hasn't been a mechanism that would allow for a decentralized version of Infura. Where did you come up with this idea? It's actually um, pretty funny. We showed up... Uh, expecting to work on a MetaMask alternative. Um, and when it came down to it, we really tried not to work on it before the hackathon. So when we came down and started designing what that would look like, we kind of looked at each other and realized, oh my God, we have to use Infura. Um, so what's the point really of replacing something when there's something much more fundamental that we all really need? And so that's where this project came out of, um, is really an EdCon talk and hearing Carl uh, Flourish talk about the need to create different types of logging in methods. So it all started with, you know, hearing someone speak about MetaMask being a potential bottleneck to development and to UX in general within the DAP space. Um, and so we kind of saw that as a wake up call to try and build something that can be open source and be more manageable from a contributor perspective because you know open source technology is beautiful but open source technology that doesn't allow for people to contribute to is the real problem 
we use the word open source technology very sparingly, but when we do, we don't really consider what good open source technology is from a contributor perspective and kind of closed open source technology that really doesn't make it easier for the regular developer to get involved and really contribute to these incredible projects. Uh, tomorrow they're going to do the judging and we're going to see what happens. I want to wish you a lot of luck. Um, just to kind of recap on what we actually covered, three of these projects were awarded prizes. So this was Dnode, Crypto Against Humanity, and Kimono. Um, there are some other honorable mentions, other groups that either made it into the top five or were awarded sponsor prizes. And that would be Tusoldula Digital, Ultiple X, Diamond Blue, Kittygram, and one of my favorites, Token Toilet, where you actually can give them your shit coins. And um, you can also access sort of special surprise coins uh, through their system. So this is just a way to kind of clear out your wallets if you have a bunch of crap you don't want. And I thought the presentation was really great. So yeah, um, I want to say thank you again to all of the organizers of this event. It was really special. Um, I know in, in, in particular, I interfaced a lot with Martin and Tete and MP. So thanks to you guys. But I know that there was a ton of people involved uh, in putting this thing together. And um, I also want to say a big thank you to 1KX, who are the sponsor of this episode and also who helped kind of get us involved with ETH, ETH Buenos Aires in the first place. 1KX is an early stage token fund run by Lassa Clausen and Christopher Hyman. So they were there on site. They were also sponsors of the event. Um, wanted to say just a big thank you for, you know, helping us get there and, uh, and generally for your support. That concludes the ETH Buenos Aires podcast. I hope you liked it. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. <laughs>